It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Pitmaster and the Doc. What's up, John? Good What's to up, see you, man. man. Sorry we missed last week. We won't let that happen again to the best of our ability. Um, Stuff happens. Shit happens. But we're going to try our best to get a video out to you every Wednesday. This one you're not going to get till Thursday. But we're going to try hell and high water to get you guys a podcast by every uh, by Wednesday. Okay? This one will be, you'll be getting it Thursday, but we're going to try our best. Okay. So, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Let's talk about... Um, First of all, what's going on? Everything good? Everything's good with me. Mm-hmm. Just, just working, family, the usual. Working. Stuff. What do you like? What a normal day? What do you like? Fix a knee, put on a band aid. Do you give kids <laughs> lot about it? It's, yeah. yeah. Today, just surgery all day today. So rotator cuffs and knees. The usual. The usual. A rotator cuff and a, with a, so with a rotator cuff. Like, what do you do? Just, like, sew it up and then sew the rotator cuff and then sew the skin back up? Yeah, we do it all through a scope. So just little poke holes, and you're basically operating on a big monitor like that up there. So we put a camera in the joint and uh, reattach the tendon back to the bone, close up the holes, and send them home. That's it? Just like that? Pretty straightforward. That that costs, like, $15,000? No. How much <laughs> well, I don't know. My, you know, doctor's fees aren't anywhere near that. Most of the most of the fees in medicine go to the facility, like hospitals, surgery centers, whatever. But anyway, my job is putting people back together and then throwing them back out there. So, so they can get hurt again. Well, your job is to get people back to doing what they want to do. Yeah. At least that's my job. So, all right. Yeah. Whether it's coming to the pit or going to work or 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 swimming or whatever or winning or a UFC title or yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. All right. Uh, I didn't, my day wasn't exciting like that. I just taught some classes and uh, trying to create some, some champions. But but now we're here. We're going to do our podcast. and we're gonna, Wednesdays is going to come to you. All right. Let's talk about Bisping. Okay. I don't know who's in charge of that. Um, his turnaround was pretty quick. Well, let's talk about that. So he fought. He fought GSP. It was a huge fight. Right. He got knocked out. We talked about it, I think. Right. So he, he got, well, yeah, he got knocked out. He probably got a concussion. Then he got choked out. Yeah. Um, all the way out. All the way out. And then he was uh, back fighting, I think, three weeks. Three weeks later. Three I weeks. Didn't get knocked out. So so the, the interesting thing is, you know, fighters fight, and then they get a suspension, which is a right. medical suspension, saying, hey, you know, so-and-so broke their hand. He's out for whatever it is. Uh, 60 days or 180 days unless he gets cleared sooner so after right. fights the medical suspensions get reported how long are you suspended for i think those though they can be altered you know you get suspended but then if you get cleared by a doctor maybe you're not suspended well anymore. yeah and those are more like you got a cut and you, oh it's healed okay you get a broken something oh it's healed up quicker okay you can fight again but when you have a concussion there shouldn't be, oh, the doctor comes in and says, oh, he, he can, he's cleared. How can they clear a concussion? It already happened. 
Right. Well, concussions are different grades. So you can have a mild <laughs> concussion, a severe concussion. And you and your symptoms, how long you have symptoms after a concussion, varies. And, right. and, and you may have no symptoms, but if you exert yourself, you may... You know, you may get a headache or you may have problems with your memory or whatever else. Or you may just still have lingering symptoms after concussion. Part of that has to do with how severe the head injury was or, you know, how many you've had. So so I think a medical or a suspension, they, they put out a suspension based on their concussion. And it's probably a ballpark and then maybe it gets adjusted from there. Yeah. What was this suspension? I don't know. I don't know. How Whatever it was, it wasn't adhered to. Well, and, and I would guess that he was then cleared. But the interesting thing is, so he fought again in three weeks, and it was not in this country. It was in China. Yeah, and, and when, you, when you get a suspension uh, like that, um, it's, it doesn't just say you can't fight again for X amount of time. It says you can't have contact training. And that, that means contact means getting punched yeah so 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 if you're on a suspension it's not just from fighting if you're training and you get hit it's the same thing it's the exact same thing so it's kind of weird that he got a concussion knocked out i think i think he was a flash knockout with that left hook and then he got choked out but i think he was knocked out before he was choked out and then to fight again three weeks later, when did he find out about that fight like a week after he got knocked out so he was probably sparring again like sparring, getting ready for, uh, you know, his next fight. He was probably sparring again a week after he got KO'd, then choked out. Right. So, you know, from a, who does, and you and I have talked about this, is who does that responsibility come down to? When can he fight again? You can either put it on the fighter. You could put it on his team. You could put it on the promotion, the UFC, or you could put it on the commission that okayed him to fight in their country, which is China in this case. Well, you can't. You can't put it on the team. You can't. I mean, well, I if it was your guy, wouldn't you feel responsible for? If it was my guy, I'd say you can't fight. There you go. So you right. Put it on the so team. then he'll go train somewhere else and fight. So you can't put it on the team because then he can always go. It has to be on him because, or the commission, because the commission can say you're not going to fight. Uh, the promotion can't say you're not going to fight because then he could fight somewhere else. The commission is the only one with any kind of binding authority that could say you're not going to fight again because nobody else really matters. The problem is, is if I fight in one city uh, and there's a commission in that state and then I fight in another state because UFC goes all over the right. planet. So and then I fight in another state, it's a different commission. Who who makes the call? You know, because the commission over here gave the guy a suspension and then the commission over here is giving the guy a license to fight. Yeah. Right. So for that's, me, but that's the way it should be. So it yeah. has to be that way because this guy says you can't fight again. I'm going to tell you, I mean, I mean, you can't, you can't fight again, period. Until, until three months. So you can't fight wherever that was. The commission is controlling of that. But if he goes somewhere else to fight, then that that commission shouldn't have any authority over where he fought there. He could, they could, and some states do, like New Jersey and Vegas or Nevada. I think they had the reciprocity, reciprocity, uh, and some do. But I don't think they should have to, and I don't. I don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just a thing because I think ultimately, if you want to fight again, you know the risks, and you want to fight again three weeks later. 
It should be your decision and no one else's, really. Yeah, but see, this this came up in the NFL where you said you said players didn't know the risk. They're hitting each other in the head. They didn't know they're going to get a chronic brain injury that affects the rest of their life. So they, they sued the NFL and they won a ton of money. Of course they're going to because sue. Because the NFL has money, number one. Yeah. But number two, they may have known about the risks and didn't let the players know. So you can't say, well, the fighter knows the risks. Maybe he doesn't know the risks. Okay. So it's like the lady knew about the fucking coffee spilling on her lap and sued McDonald's for a million dollars. People can sue over anything. Anyone with half a brain. So NFL people can't, NFL players can't be so stupid that they don't realize that if you keep getting concussions, something's going to go go wrong. A fighter can't be that stupid that he realize, that he doesn't know that, especially in this day and age. Maybe when he was a teenager playing uh, playing Pop Warner football, they wouldn't know. But by the time they meet the, UFC, uh, the NFL, they don't know about concussions yet. They're, then they're, I mean... Well, now we know a lot about it now. And you're a medical professional, so you know a lot about it. But maybe every fighter doesn't know about it. So... So, but how would the uh, NFL? Maybe the NFL wasn't. How did they? I mean, what? If they're not doctors; they're promoters. I think they were suppressing information that showed that there was a problem with it. It's like the tobacco companies saying, "Oh, smoke up; it's fine; it doesn't cause cancer," and then saying, "Well, you should have known better." So, anyway, my point is the only thing traveling with this fighter from wherever he fought GSP here, Vegas versus China, the only thing traveling with him is him, so he can make that decision. But the other thing traveling with him is that goes to both places is the promotion. So you have the UFC going, yeah, we're going to let him fight because they have the power to not let him fight again, don't they? I think they do have the power, but I don't think they should because that's a conflict of interest. They're not the promote, they're not the they're not the commission, they're not the trainer, they're not the you know, they're not the manager. They are the promotion. They shouldn't have to worry about who's getting knocked out where. That should be the that should be the commission or else just have the UFC and don't have a commission. Right. But there's a commission that we're paying a lot of money for in every in every state and every country. So I don't think I don't think it's 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 the responsibility of the UFC at all. I think, hey, do you want to fight? You should I mean if they if he got knocked out last night and they say you want to fight, and he should he should be able to say yes or no. And if there's a commission there, they should say, No, he's he's flagged, he can't fight. But I don't think the UFC should have anything to do with it. Well, that. there's a conflict of interest because they right. want to make money, and if right. they're canceling fights, you know, that hurts their pocketbook. However, however, they're they're a little hypocritical because they've taken over the whole performance-enhancing drug testing. So they're saying, no, we want this sport to be safe. And the rules. They're not saying leave it and to the, the commission. And the rules, by the way. Well, yeah, but they're not saying leave it to the commission. They're saying, these are our rules. These are the drugs you can take. We're going to test. We're going to pay for the testing. We're going to do all that stuff. So they are saying we're going to take the pl- the fighter's health. You know, we're going to own that, sort right. of. They're going to sort of own it. But then when it comes to, hey, you have a medical suspension, you shouldn't fight. Eh, I don't know. I think either it's all or nothing. You should totally be Wild West and let the commission deal with it or you should, and be a promoter. Or you should say, hey, our fighters, the health is important to us. We're going to... But, but they're the commission. I mean, they're the promotion. So... If they want to, and and if the commission, which has to me has the right to say you can't do the drug testing, that's conflict of interest. But they want to do it, and nobody's stopping them. Then I think if they want to test for steroids and other performance enhancing drugs, and not 
step in if they want to stop fights, you know, like say, well, you have a suspension. I think they should do it whichever way they want. It's their promotion. Okay. <laughs> you convinced me. I've changed so, my mind. So, I mean, I think they should be able to do both. I don't think they should do either or both. I would like to see a fighter that gets knocked out having someone look out for their best interest other than themselves. Because if you say, well, he's going to make a, the greatest choice for himself, well, he's probably got a whole team and a family and he's making money for people. So he's got other responsibilities. Plus, he's a fighter. He wants to fight. Right. So at some point... You know, if it's a regulation or whatever, you step in and say, well, it's not safe for you to fight. Right. Whether you're his corner or you're the UFC or you're the commission, there are other people making the decision whether right. it's safe to fight. Right. And as a doctor, I say, hey, if the guy is has a medical suspension and you're just going to let him fight in China, to me, maybe he got cleared. I don't know. Maybe he was. And I think that, that sounds good. Um, and if it was me, I'm known all over in the commissions to being the most protective trainer ever. I've thrown in more towels than any other trainer I know. Um, I've stopped more fights in the corner of any other trainer I know. But a fight like this with someone like Bisping, who's towards the end of his career, um, he has a family, he's a, he's a family guy, he loves his family. And if the, the risk you know, of something that might happen versus making a million dollars which could help set him up for the rest of his life with his family i don't know if as a trainer i would say no I, you can't do that i would say you know i, I you know I, i'd say i i wish you wouldn't risk that but like i said if there's a million dollars on the line I, and this is some guy that is getting near the end of his career and he doesn't have other stuff he's going to do after his career's over then you know then i think I think he should have the right to make that choice. Because, I mean, it wasn't like going in like we used to do as an amateur boxer. You would get knocked out and then in the Golden Gloves and then say you made the quarterfinals. Then you want to go to the semifinals because, you know, somebody pulled out that you'd fight again a half an hour later. So, so this is nothing like that. There's, a say, a million or more dollars on the line and this is some family guy that, that just ready to retire soon. I think we shouldn't take that million dollars away from him. You know what would change your opinion on that? What? If your fighter f took another fight again and then had a traumatic brain injury and died. Yep. And you would say, why did we let this guy fight? I, I, Jesus, I, we're so stupid. We, why did we let this guy I, fight? I, I should have stopped it. I, That's exactly what you say. You say, I, I should have stopped it. And then, and, I'd say, and then everyone would be stepping in saying, why didn't the UFC stop this fight? Why did they just let him fight in China? Because, Everybody would get blamed. Because that sensationalized. But what no, if? Not. But what if we say he did? He can't take that fight. No, and then in three years he runs out of funds, and him and his family are fucking poor, yeah, and he can't them, even. That won't make the. News. It won't make the news. So <laughs> that's why I said it's sensationalized, and you said it's not. It is because it's sensationalized. If he died, everybody would hear about it. But if he was just poor and he committed suicide because he couldn't feed his family in three years, nobody would hear about that. That's true. And then you could have said, you should have let him fight and make that million dollars. I'm just saying, if something bad happened and we knew that, yeah, you should have been suspended, yeah, you're not going to feel the same. I, I agree. And I'll, I'll throw in a towel. I've been known to stop fights just because a cut. You know, so, yeah, I agree. And so, there, yeah, there's a lot of points to it both ways. 
All right, Look, so be- looks like he's fine. Um, let's look, 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 let's see what happens. Let's see. Let's see, <laughs> let's see Well, we don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> let's see what happened. Well, no. So he fought again. Right. So maybe it was a great idea. What happened? Yeah, but he didn't <laughs> fight. Okay, he didn't fight before the Dan Henderson fight. And he got knocked out worse than that. Yeah, I'm not saying he get knocked out because of that, but he did get knocked I out. I know he did. And he got knocked out in in a dramatic fashion. Yeah, he did. And and then okay. Here we can show it right now. I know. Okay, ready? Here, let's watch this. So who's he fighting? He's fighting uh, Kelvin Gastelum, and as you can see, drops his right hand, gets caught with a left. Right over the top. There. Right over the top. And I think it's interesting, they'll show this again, watch his head. Watch the head. Bing! Bing. See his... that? The head just, bing, counter coup. Bing. So his head twists violently. Boom. So this is a typical shot to the chin. That is. You know, so a hook to the chin where his head turned to the side rapidly yes and then snap back again and that basically what that does is it knocks your brain right into the side of your skull and uh there you go boom that's pretty ugly it is ugly it's ugly when that happens and it's uh, it feels ugly too let me tell you um so but let me tell you be, before we go um i think they showed total respect for each other i think that's how the ufc should be um, it doesn't need to be like just the ugliness that's been coming lately, you know, with the ugliness that pe- people, I think Rose Namajunas, who I, I'll admit I wasn't her biggest fan. I never was against her at all. I just didn't really know that much about her. I knew that, um, um, you know, I know she had a really good trainer, really good camp. Um, her, you know, her fiance is her trainer. Um, uh, but I just didn't know that much about her. I know that um, she's had some issues, um, and I know that she's good friends with Court McGee. Um, but she, the way she carried herself before, during, and after that fight, to me was it was the best show of I'll just say Bushido for no, uh, for lack of a better term, and she didn't say a freaking word. While Joanna was, and Joanna does this all the time, and she's a, she, I don't think she's evil spirited, mean spirited. I don't know her that well, uh, but she did come across, and she said some pretty nasty things to Rose, and Rose just, you, she, she was like this, didn't say a word. This girl was in her face, and she just looked right at her and just didn't say a word. During the fight, she was yapping again. Rose didn't say a word. And then after the fight, she knocked out Joanna. And she just said, she, what she said was so eloquent about what's been going on today in the fight world. Um, she said, I, you, why does everyone have to talk all this shit? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But she said, why does everyone have to say all these ugly, mean things to each other? This is a sport, and I respect my opponents, and they should respect me. And you know, I'll let my, my fighting speak for me. She didn't say a freaking word. It was it was it was one of the best um, things I've seen in in USC history, definitely in the last year or so. And I'm now a huge Rose Namajunas fan. I mean, huge. So, um, anyway, so so anyway, so I think going back to this fight, and I think the interesting thing, you know, going to your classes and learning about you know, learning what we learn is learning about this, and so. But John, John's holding up a human skull 
there. So, so I think the interesting thing is, you know, you talk about fighters and you talk about the chin and you talk about Bisping and you see what just happened when he got hit in the chin. So I think the interesting thing you start to think about when you think about contact sports and medicine is why is getting hit in the chin, why do people talk about that? Why not just hit someone in the back of the head? Why not hit someone on top of the head? Why is hitting them in the chin so devastating that we all know it is just from watching sports? So, so I think th this here, the skull here shows you why. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah. So basically, your your skull pivots on your your fulcrum. Yeah, the fulcrum, so, which is way back there, way in the back of your head, is where your spinal cord attaches and where your spine is. So basically, when you turn your head, it's attached at the back. So when you hit, get hit in the chin, it can violently snap your head to the side, right, just like that. And you get hit a little higher, it doesn't have the same fulcrum, and it doesn't spin the head as much. And when you get hit even more, like on the head, it doesn't spin it either. But when you get hit at the point of the chin, that's the, that's the, ulti, that's the ultimate um, point uh, where the fulcrum is the most beneficial to you because it spins that head number one number one that's why it causes the most knockouts let me take a side note on that in the street when you hit someone in the chin it doesn't hurt your hand as much as um as as hitting them on the on the head or even the cheekbone which you go to hit someone in the chin and they move a little bit and you hit their cheekbone Ow, it hurts. Sometimes it hurts your hand worse than the person, especially if you hit them in the head. But when you hit that chin, not only does it turn their head just right, it doesn't hurt your hand as much. But the chin is the number one in a, in a cage or ring fight, not in the street. Uh, but in the ring or the cage, your number one target should be the chin. And that's why. So when their chin moves out of the way, you're not going to hurt your hand as much. You punch them in the side of the head, it's like you're punching a coconut. So yeah. you're going to break and your they hand. Don't, and it doesn't turn as much. And it doesn't turn. So when you snap their head to the side violently, like just happened to Michael Bisping, yeah. your brain rattles against the side of your skull. And basically, it's like rebooting your computer. If you get hit hard enough, the whole system shuts down, and that's a knockout. And how long you're knocked out is just going to depend on how severe the injury is. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, so how do you get a better chin? Well, you don't. <laughs> you have a, your chin is your chin. And if you get your head rocked to the side fast enough and hard enough, you're going to go out. So something John was teaching us just yesterday in class is hiding your chin. You're going to have a chin, but yeah, if you, if you, you can't, get, if you can't get hit in it. This is the waterline. Your shoulders are the waterline. You want to keep your chin under the waterline. Think of yourself looking up like somebody's shooting at you from the shore and you're looking up out of the water, you're going to get hit. But you want to always keep your, your chin under the waterline and that's your shoulders. So two things have to happen. Your chin goes down and one good way to practice that is just get some, like, like this gum right here. See this gum? See my little pack of gum? Put it right here when you're shadow box. Then you got to keep your chin down. And it's a good way to practice that. Don't do it while you're sparring because that gets a little awkward. But sometimes when you're shadow boxing, that helps you keep your chin down. So you can also put it right by your shoulder and that keeps that down too. And keep your shoulder up. So, so if someone's much more likely to hit you in your head, which you're much less likely to get knocked out, they're probably going to hurt themselves. Or, you know, they hit you in the shoulder. So you'll be fine. 
So I, I think that's fascinating. We start learning about the chin in contact sports is you got to hide your chin. You're going to have one, but if you can hide it, the better. And also, and so that brings up the next thing is what they talk about in combat sports and wrestling and boxing and MMA is, does your neck matter? Because your whole, you know, you can't change your bone structure, but you can change the muscles that hold your head up and keep it from getting rocked to the side um, so violently. So a lot of people do train and strengthen their necks. I don't know. I don't know if you have, you know, people wear a harness on their head or... Yeah, or we, do. I've, done, I've done all that. And like I said, I was saying earlier, I used to have a neck like this back when I was 240 pounds. And I thought chin was everything. I mean, neck was everything. Um, but I, I think this having a supplely strong um, neck is much more important than just having a neck that doesn't move much. Because you won't turn your head as much. If we, maybe if you have a stiffer neck... But then to me, it, it, there's other things that won't help. So I think you should have a strong neck. You should do basic neck exercises, but you should be really careful because when you tweak your neck during a neck exercise, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of nerves and stuff, your vertebrae. Whereas if you hurt your bicep, well, you might tear your bicep. That's, that's bad. But if you tear a neck muscle or even worse, your vertebrae while you're doing heavy, like some people like to stand on their head and rotate back and forth to build up their neck. And to me, that's really, really, really sketchy because all you got to turn is one one wrong move and you could really tweak your neck. And I mean, I'd rather tweak my bicep than my neck every day, any day, because I mean, the nerves down. <laughs> when you get paralyzed, you get shot in the body, your legs, you become a paraplegic, paraplegic. If something happens to your neck, like you happen to be doing some kind of crazy neck exercise and you snap your neck, you're going to be a quadriplegic. So or, or not, or stop breathing if you go high enough. So that wouldn't be good. That's Christopher. That would be that would be yeah, terrible. Terrible. So so I think breathe. strengthening your neck is an interesting thing for it fighters is. in a safe way. It is hiding your way. chin, hiding so you don't chin. get hit in it in the first place. Yeah, you see boxers like even when boxers drop their hand, they don't drop their hand and put their chin up. Like guys, like uh, a perfect example would be uh, like uh, Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns, when he dropped his hand, he dropped his left hand a lot, but he'd always bury his chin behind his shoulder, and he'd ride with a lot of the punches. Like when someone hit him, he'd ride with it, and a lot of boxers do that. Uh, Mayweather does that all the time. It looks, it looks like he got hit, but then when you watch the slow motion, the punch like follows his chin because he rides with it. Roberto Duran used to do that all the time. He could stand right in front of his opponents, and when you were watching on TV, you thought, why isn't he getting knocked out? He's getting hit like three or four times in a row, but he's riding with every punch. So that's also a very important skill to have. Um, but preemptively, I say just move your head more and make it a harder target. Riding with punches has to do with more extensive uh, fight-specific training. Right, and I think uh, trying to ride a punch, if you watch knockouts in slow motion, you're not going to ride that punch very well. I mean, it happens so fast, and uh, and your head snaps back. It's reflexive. You're not doing that on your own. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know. If you, wa- if you watch any knockouts and you look them up on YouTube and watch them in slow motion, watch what happens. Most of the time, you're getting hit to the chin, your head snapping to the side. Much less commonly... You can also get hit with a front kick or something, and your head can snap backwards. Same thing. Um, so you can uppercut or get hit with a you know a kick. Um, but getting hit in the side of the head or the back of the head, knocking someone out, 
probably not going to happen very often. Eh, it doesn't happen as common. Sometimes, like the cheekbone, not as often. Sometimes, for some reason, the temple is, is common with some people. And some people are more susceptible than others in different places. Everybody's different. And sometimes um, getting hit in the temple, is, is they're more susceptible. And some people say in the back of the head, which is illegal to hit in the back of the head for some reason. I don't understand why, because there's nothing like the back of the head. This was considered back of the head in MMA. So you can't even hit there. And I don't know why that is more dangerous than here or here or anywhere else in the head. But it's illegal for whatever reason. And, and so you can't hit someone back there. But hitting them in the temple, some guys get knocked out there. But I'd say 90% of all knockouts happen right here, the chin. And it's a, and it's a hook. It's so Don't the type of punch, too. Hit me. So it's hit not me. usually a straight punch. To yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's not as often. But since guys are staying this way, a lot of straight punches will land. Like if, we're, if I have a straight punch, see, if I hit you with a hook, it hit you like this, right? But since we're at an angle, we're not standing facing each other. So if I hit you from here, this is a straight punch. Right. It's still going to rock your chin. Right. See? But it's easier to get to that with a hook. But a lot of straight punches will land on the chin. Some, like jabs, routinely, well, like if I throw a jab, they call it a right cross for a reason. Because if I'm throwing a jab, right, it wouldn't hit his chin. You hardly ever see a jab knockout, except for Todd Duffy. Todd Duffy knocks him out with a jab a few years ago. But it's just going to hit here. But this hand is going to be straight, but it crosses this hand because this right shoulder is back. So when it lands, it lands on the chin. So with the right hand, a straight right, you'll get knocked out, but very seldom with a jab. I think hooks are more efficient. Some people think straight punches are more uh, uh, proficient. So that's a, whole, uh, that's a whole other ball of wax to talk about. But we're, the chin, always think chin. If you're, if you're gonna knock someone out, whether you're in the street or the cage or the ring, go for the, go for the chin if you wanna knock them out. I think the best weapon in the street, the first weapon of uh, uh, that I think is efficient in the street is the eyes. I think always going for the eyes, number one, if you can get to them, would trump the chin. But if it turns into a swinging match where you're swinging with the guy already and the fight already started, I would always aim for the chin in a street fight. So what do you think about fighters when they talk about their chin? It's almost like... Uh... You know, they talk about, oh, this guy's got an amazing chin. Like, it's something he did. Like, like, what do you think about that? Like, is that part of your... Does training give you a stronger no. chin? No. But the ability to take hits and not get knocked out is it's a whole genetic. other thing. It's that genetic. It's genetic. You, and can't, it's, you, can't, you cannot develop a chin, but you can lose a chin. You can devolve a chin, though. Yes. You can go the wrong way with a chin. Easily. So, Easily. so And once it goes, it's gone. It'll never come back. Right, so there's some sort of injury that's happening to your brain, whether or not you can measure it on an MRI or a CT scan. You can't. Oh. There's some sort of chronic injury or scar tissue that makes it so you get knocked out more easily. And some so, people get it and some people don't. And I know I don't think they'll ever be able to describe or define or, you know, I don't think they'll ever be able to tell you why that happens. But it does. But it's so, interesting to see younger fighters that look like they take these hits that they don't get knocked out and it's... It's almost like a, you know, like a masculinity thing or a macho thing. Like, oh, this guy's got an amazing chin, but he's probably suffering brain damage through all those hits. And then eventually you lose it. I think you yeah. are most likely if you but, keep fighting. But a lot of people, like Tex Cobb, he had the be known as the best chin in boxing for years. 
And then he got knocked out a few times. He kind of lost his chin, but he never lost his wits. His And they even did a whole study on him because they said he got hit so much. In fact, he made Howard, Gos Howard Cosell quit because watching him fight, um, I think, Larry Holmes. He got hit so much during that fight. Larry, uh, Howard Cosell said, I quit. I don't ever want to... I don't ever want to broadcast a boxing match again. This is this is animalistic. So he quit. Did he really quit? Yeah. He didn't come back yeah. after that. Never. Wow. And and that was that was Tex Cobb's biggest claim to fame. He'd always brag about that. I made Howard Cosell quit. But anyway, so they did studies on him after his career, and they found out he had like the brain of like he was sharp as a tack, and not one. Bit of injury. It's amazing. How do you replicate Tex Cobb. that? Tex Cobb. How do you, Cobb. How do you replicate know. that? How do you give that to your fighter? I don't know. He was also in a couple of movies. I bet he never fought dehydrated. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he never had to cut weight. He was like 240 pounds. There you go. His brain was well lubricated so that's for bouncing it. around inside of his You could skull. say that. I would say that, but I know that there's been a, a slew of heavyweight fighters that never had to cut weight that are punch drunk. Yeah. Especially in the old days, the old boxers. Boxers get punch drunk which is the medical term is dementia pugilistica, um, but... Which is Parkinson-like. I don't agree, but okay. Okay. But uh, <laughs> ask, ask what's his name? What's the guy, the actor? Michael J. Fox. Ask that Michael J. Fox. Never Maybe. had a fight in his life. But and I, I think Parkinson's is Parkinson's. And dementia, I think me dementia is related to dementia, like old people get. Right, like they get it from Alzheimer's sometimes. You know, there's the mixture of different different kind of dementias. I think pugilistic dementia is just it's 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 the fighter's brain brain uh, you know calcification of of the brain like like an opiate person gets. Only they get it earlier. I think the symptoms are the same. The slurring of the speech, the memory, etc. I don't think it mimics. Um, Parkinson's because you don't get shaking and you don't you don't walk different. You just it's all it's all here. It's like you forget things. Uh, you're more apt to get irritated easily. You sometimes you're uh, you're more you're more uh, apt to be violent and stuff like that. It's 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 a, a sprain thing. But um, but it's well known now though that chronic trauma to the brain, repeated trauma to the brain causes. Brain, brain injury that catches up with you. I, in but, most, I mean, I don't know, maybe yeah. some people somehow escaped it, but for the most part, it causes it, what's called chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE, which is what everybody talks about now because of football, but you worry about it in fighters. You worry about it in boxing. You worry about it in any combat sport. Any, anytime I see my guys getting hit. If I, the I, brain I, didn't need to be protected, it wouldn't be in the skull in the I, first place. I go nuts every time. I mean, now that I'm a medical person, back when I was fighting, I would just stand there, drop my hands, and we'd slug it out with each other, and I never thought of anything of it. I, th I think having my bell rung it would be like normal. Now, you know, being in the medical field, being retired, and having so many fighters, man, every time they get hit, I mean, I just want to throw in the towel every time they get hit. Here, here's my prediction, going back to what we started talking about, is who's responsible for, you know, the fighter's safety. Is My prediction is the UFC will incorporate some sort of neurologic testing that you have to pass to fight. That's my prediction. I think they're headed that direction. I think as they're going to want to avoid this instance where someone gets a knockout and gets severe brain injury in something that could have been prevented, someone that fought again too soon, I think just based on what they've done with USADA and performance-enhancing drugs, they're going to move towards 
you know, we're the ones looking out for these fighters, you know, some sort of neurologic testing to make, to try to make it safer, whether it does or not, you know, will remain to be seen. But I, I think that that's my prediction. I think that'll happen. I think if they were going to go there, I think even before that, because this is more of an acute problem and it's happening, it's happening at a, at a much higher rate. Um, is they'd have to do something about the weight cutting. Right, that's another that's, one. Because that's, that's something that's happening right now, and people are getting rushed to the hospital um, more than brain injuries. People are getting rushed to the hospital with dehydration. But they may be linked. If you're fighting dehydrated, those two things may be directly linked. Weight cutting and head injury may be actually tied together. It could be the only, the only thing, like I said earlier, the only thing that would, kind of takes that away is there's so many heavyweights that have had severe brain injuries and knockouts. and, and Well, and, they're getting hit harder, too, don't you think? Yeah. They're getting well, hit harder. It's relative, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you see more knockouts in that, in the heavier weight I think, I, yeah, I think, I think the, I think there's like, I think like 85, like that, because they're, they're so much faster and they, and, and they're stronger. Yeah. And then I think that's the highest one in boxing. I think it was. Uh, heavyweight because heavyweight is after 175 you know and, and so i don't know i don't know what that's a good study we should look that up what what weight what uh what weight classes have the most knockouts i know which ones have the least it's it's the lighter weights it's the little women guys. yeah yeah no that, yeah i think you're probably right somewhere around 185 so so that's that with that okay we got a big card coming up saturday guys we're gonna talk about that right now we gotta we're just gonna how much how much time we do got we got time. Okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about the card that's coming up. So you, up? it's UFC two eighteen. Two eighteen. This card is so stacked. This card is like stacked to the brim. We got okay main event. Main event's good. Hey, how can you not want to see Max Holloway fight? He's Hawaiian. You always. I love Max Holloway, but I just think he's gonna. I I love Aldo too, but I just don't see it going that differently. Well, last time Holloway won in the third round. I don't remember. Right. I don't know. He won. Right. He won. Maybe did TKO. Yeah. Uh, he beat him up. Supposedly Aldo had a leg injury or something, uh, so he didn't have one of his weapons. So maybe that'll change it. Yeah. I think mean, yeah. maybe they'll try to sell it based on that. Yeah. I, I want to see Max Holloway fight because I became a Max Holloway fan right. watching a fight with you, watching him fight. Who did he fight? Like a year ago, it was uh, oh, Lamas. Oh, they dropped their hands. Lamas. Yeah. It was Lamas. They and dropped they just their pointed hands. pointed down like Middle that. Middle of the ring. Oh, point, there's 10 seconds left in the fight. He points to the ring, and they just brawl. And he just points at the mat like, let's go. And they just went out. It was... Max Holloway is... I mean, I mean, he he had a really... Uh, it, was, it wasn't that competitive. It was pretty competitive. But he had... I mean, in one of his earliest fights, he fought Conor McGregor. You know, Connor couldn't stop him. I mean, it was so it was a close fight. Um, but so that was that was that that fight alone is worth admission. But now then we got uh, Overeem and uh, Nagamu. I I'm not as interested in that fight. I really like them both. I love Overeem. I think he's. You know what? One thing about Overeem that gets, you know, the whole steroid thing. Whatever. I mean, you could just it like people always put his body. It, before and after and I remember when he fought Chuck he was like barely 200 pounds to me that doesn't matter as much as the way he carries himself I think he just carries himself like a warrior and he always has he's fought in kickboxing MMA and he just carries himself like a warrior win or lose he just comes back and goes ah, I'm gonna fight again I mean 
He just doesn't ever badmouth anyone. He doesn't make excuses ever. He just goes out there and, and fucking wars every time. Um, and what gets me really, what's it's crazy about him, he's Dutch. He's from Holland. But he, does, he doesn't even have an accent. He was like born and raised. I mean, I mean, it's, he has no accent. I hear people that have been in California for 30 years and don't even speak the language yet. This guy doesn't even have an, uh, a Dutch accent. You can barely even tell that, uh, that, he's from, uh, that he's not from the United States. If you heard him talking and you didn't know, you would think he's American. But anyway, great fighter. Um, he's been around, been there, done that. He's had so many fights, it's crazy. And he's fighting a guy that's on, on the rise, you know. Uh, the Predator. The Predator, Francis Nagamu, or great guy. So this is an interesting fight. Um, I really want to see uh, Sergio Perez versus uh, Sejudo. That's going to be fun. Um, that's going to be, this is going to be a technical fight. Very, very, very technical. Where uh, Overeem and Naganu, I think is going to be more just a slugfest. Uh, and I think Holloway and Aldo will just be a massacre. Um, but I think Sejudo uh, and uh, Perez will be a complete, um, I think it's going to be all technique. They're going to be, it's going to be a technical masterpiece. These two guys, I mean, didn't Sejudo win the gold medal uh, in uh, in wrestling? And then he turned to boxing and he, he became a great boxer. I mean, this guy is great. And what, what about his nickname, Sejudo? Is it, does the messenger seem very uh, intimidating that he's the messenger? Uh, <laughs> I guess it I, depends on what the message is. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think he needs intimidation. He doesn't go on intimidation much because he's so talented. I mean, like I said, he won a gold medal in the Olympics. And then he came back and like he won the golden gloves in boxing. It's pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, he's, he's an impressive guy. And then Sergio Perez... I mean, he started off being uh, Anthony Pez's brother. Now he's come up and he's doing main events and, and main cards, and he's, he's risen. Number, he's number four. He's unbelievable. He's really good. So that's going to be a complete technical fight. The next fight is the war. This fight is going to be the brutal. Um, it's going to be just. It's going to be two guys just swinging. Alvarez against Justin uh, Guthrie. Uh, that Justin Guthrie guy, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Um, but I've seen him fight. He was like an Olympic level wrestler who decided he didn't want to wrestle. He just wanted to beat the shit out of everyone. And he just stands there and bangs. He gets dropped in almost every fight. I don't know if there's that stat, but he gets dropped all the time. Uh, but he always comes back and knocks people out. It's, it's unbelievable watching him fight. And El Eddie Alvarez is no schmuck himself. Eddie Alvarez is a banger. So watching these two guys, I would think that uh, Justin Guthrie um, has a little bit of the edge. If it's the the he's eighteen and zero. Yeah, he's he's eighteen and zero. He's fucking brutal. That's impressive. But El Eddie Alvarez, I mean, he's nobody to. Sh I mean, he's been around. He's been there, done that. That's gonna be an interesting fight to see. Um, yeah, I, I'm not gonna pick a winner, but that's to me that's the fight of the night. That I, I mean, I'd rather see that one even than the heavyweights, even though the heavyweights is gonna be good. That's the fight I want to watch more than any. The girl fight, uh, 
they're both good. I, you know, this is like six of one, half done and the other. Um, I think they both have skills. They both have, um, I think they're both, they're both pretty equal. So it, it's going to be a technical fight. Um, they both do bang. Um, they both have submissions. They both have strikes. So it should be a fight. But I definitely think um, some of these, I think like uh, Felder fight would should be against uh, Oliveira, should be in the main card before this one. Or even or even Yancey Medeiros against uh, the Cowboy, uh, the Brazilian Cowboy, should be in the main card. But whatever, it's not. So, so there's good prelims. There's unbelievable uh, prelim, uh, prelims. The, ma the two main ones that I want to see, not really that interesting. Uh, Herring's fighting. Uh, uh, not that interested in that one. Not really that. Uh, no, another heavyweight. Uh, no, I'm really interested in the, the Oliveira and Felder fight. I think that should be on the main card, definitely. And let me just say, Felder, his, um, he's like broken into the announcing a little bit. He's an unbelievable announcer. It's, he's, these fighters that turn into announcers are, they're so, um, I don't know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's so good to hear them. It's, it's unbelievable that they do it that way, that well, that they just break right into announcing. And they're, I mean, they just, they're so proficient at both. And these guys take it so seriously. Like Brian Stan, you know, you got uh, Kenny Florian, um, DC. All these guys, they study. Like when he, when he, when he, when he commentates a fight with uh, John Anik, um, he he spends hours going over each fighter and their history. Uh, DC? No, well, they all do, but I'm talking about Paul Felder right now. So who's your top two people you want to hear on a fight if you're going to watch a card like? You're going to watch a card uh, Saturday. Who do you want to see announcing? I wish they could do this, but they can't. I would. My best one that would be Joe Rogan and John Anik. Yeah. But if it was, if it was, so Joe Rogan and, and Joe, John Anik to me are without a doubt the best. But then if there was just one of them and a fighter, uh, I say Kenny Florian, um, DC, um, Frank Trigg, he was really good too in Pride. You know, I miss like Goldberg announcing, but then yeah. I miss him announcing with with Rogan because that's you know watching MMA back in the day. That's that that's it. who it always was, and it wasn't MMA without them. But as it changes, it's kind of cool to see like DC announcing a fight. DC uh, did a great really job. Good. Yeah, he was really he was great. So one, one thing about like Felder, okay, he's really he just says stats and he's really knowledgeable and he has a good personality. But he's just boom, 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 boom. When DC is calling the fight, he's all over the place. Yeah, and his emotions come out. His personality comes out. It's different. And then when Kenny Florian has kind of a dry wit. And he kind of throws in little zings here and there. But he's really, really not. They're all so knowledgeable when they're watching a fight. He's like, they're like schooling you on what every move is and what every technique is. And what should the guy do next? And when he gets in a hold, how should he get out of that? It's unbelievable. I love the way that these fighters... Brian Stan is is probably... Uh, he'd probably be the top one, but he's not doing it anymore, I don't think. But he was retired, and he was... He would spend 
days before a fight just going over he knew everything about every fighter on the card that he would cover i mean he took his shit seriously so i, I just love the fact that these guys are transitioning from fighter like eves eves edwards um woodley tyrone woodley is and they're doing like the after shows and stuff like that these guys are really really good at it and i'm really happy that they're doing that i think you should be up there <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 my number one and two you and joe rogan get up there uh all right so uh i think you should leave everybody with it just let him watch this bisping thing one more time i mean this is this was uh something john and i have talked about quite a bit since this fight so just bang there's right. the chin so this episode is called the chin the chin the chin we're trying yeah. to we'll try to get it chin bang boom right on the chin that was the chin right there. He didn't hurt his hand for sure. Boom, <laughs> didn't hurt his hand, but he hurt, uh, he definitely hurt Bisping's chin. All right. That's, uh, that's what brain injury looks like, everybody. Close <laughs> you, right. might, you might see brain injury. I know what it feels like. All right. It's a good one. Good job. Right. See you guys next Wednesday. They should follow you on the whatever, the Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Pit underscore master. And Instagram, I actually, like, check it out. Okay, I'm gonna, while you guys are here, you're going to see on my Instagram right now, I do techniques. Like, right now, look, I am showing you guys one of the most important techniques in the world. One of the most important skills to have. Don't block. Move your head. Forget about blocking. Blocking is reactive. Moving your head is preemptive. It makes it a harder target. Blocking is just hit or miss, and you're going to miss half the time. Moving your head makes it harder for you to hit. So where can they learn about this? Pit underscore master. That's my Instagram. All right? I'd, I'd give you my Instagram, but there's not going to be anything that exciting. On His it. Instagram so, is so, so follow follow John on Instagram, um, or check us out on SoundCloud, or iTunes, iTunes or YouTube. YouTube. I'm going to be at... This will be on YouTube. Um... Every Wednesday evening, our podcast. So, Pit, The Pit, Online Dojo. Just like right up there. The Pit Online Dojo, all one word. You go to youtube.com forward slash The Pit Online Dojo and you'll get all of our podcasts and my techniques. I'm showing you guys how to be the best martial artist in the world. Awesome. Awesome. So follow John. All right, John, see you next week, man.